Welcome to the Sunday morning podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Horsham. This message is by Clive Urquhart. Right, everybody doing good? Looking forward to a bit of uh, rest over Christmas, a bit of relaxation. Jane is, I know she is, yeah. Brilliant. Okay. Um, we're going to follow on from what Pastor Colin was speaking about last week. How many of you were here last week and know what he was speaking about? How many of you weren't here so you don't know what he was speaking about? Okay, we're obviously coming to the end of a series we've been in through the autumn, which is uh, living a next steps life. We all uh, are in a relationship with God and we are walking with God. Obviously, the Bible often talks about that, a walk with God. And obviously to go on a walk, that takes steps and each step moves you forward in that walk that you are on. And it's the same in our relationship with God. And we've been looking at some very, very practical things in our lives over the last few months. What does it look like to live a next steps life? And we've used another phrase with that as worshippers. Often we think of worship as something we do in a meeting where we lift our hands or we, we sing in some way or other. But actually, God sees our lives as as uh, a life of worship, how we think, what goes on in us, how we speak, how we relate to others, how we are in our marriages and families and how we are at work, uh, what we do with our finances. All of that kind of stuff is is all part of how how we worship God in our lives, how he is Lord in every aspect of who we are. And uh, obviously, as a church family, we wanted to be Lord of who we are together. So we've been looking at lots of different things. And last week, Pastor Colin spoke about uh, living in the, the spacious place. And he, he spoke about the phrase, you know, the first minute uh, that when you come and spend time with the Lord or you come to a meeting or whatever, the first minute is just making sure that you leave everything or, or you hand everything over to him that is bothering you, worrying you. You kind of leave it with him. You give it to him and you just submit yourself afresh so that you can concentrate fully on who he is. And there's a brilliant word in terms of uh, our relationship with God and spending time with the Lord. And what I want to do this morning is follow on from that and, uh, and, and kind of just finish off this series really with uh, the last message of living a next step's life as a worshipper. And so we're going to look at uh, the, the whole kind of phrase that I call it, living in the great rest. And what does that mean? Because living in the spacious place, as Pastor Conor was speaking about last week, is all part of living in the great rest. Uh, last week's focus was very much on who we are in him and our relationship with God this way. And, and that's important, living in the, the revelation of the truth, who we are in, in Christ. But then we just want to look at practically what does that mean, working that out, okay? How many of you uh, are expecting God to do something powerful tonight at the carol service? I know lots of us have been inviting neighbours, friends, family, and uh, if, if they haven't given you an answer yet, just nudge them again this afternoon. Or even if they said no, maybe ask them again and invite them again, because you never know, they might change their mind and say yes. We were praying in the, the prayer meeting at half eight this morning, 
and we were praying and asking God to that all the people that have been asked by anybody across the church, across the congregations to be here tonight, that we were saying, God, would you just grip them today? And as the day goes on, would they just remember they've been invited and actually, yeah, I'm not going to risk it. I'm going to do that. I'm going to go to that church. I'm going to go to that service. I'm going to go and sing some carols that, that they would just know I've got to go there, even if they don't really know why, or they might have some good excuses why they not want to be here. So that's why we pray. Is that right? We pray so that things change. So before we get into the message as well, um, there's been a big shift in our nation in the last few days. And uh, obviously, we all know what took place in terms of the, uh, the election. And that's going to enable us to go forward as a nation. Uh, we don't separate the spiritual from the, the physical. Uh, they're, they're intertwined in different ways, but the spiritual releases things in the natural and in the physical. And as a nation, we've been in loggerheads for the last two and a half, three years. And, and there's a battle for, the, for, for what's going on in our nation. And I'm not talking politically, I'm talking spiritually, but there is an outworking in the natural. And, uh, and, and the enemy does not want us as a nation to be who God has called us to be. And, uh, and so we see in the last few days the result that there's been. And uh, our faith is not in the Conservative Party at all. There is no perfect party. Uh, every person has their foibles and their, their negatives and everything. Our faith is in who God is. Our trust is in who, who he is. But there are some things that need to happen in the natural that then help to unlock certain things in a nation so that, so that things can happen in the way that God wants them to. And we need to pray for Boris Johnson. It doesn't matter whether you like the guy or not. Okay, it doesn't matter whether you like him or not. We're, we are called to pray for our leaders. God has his hand on that man. And we need to pray for him. God has called him at this moment to bulldoze some things in our nation to get some things done. Forget Brexit for a minute. That's part of it. And I know he's used this phrase himself uh, in, in what he's been talking about. But God's using this guy to, to, to shake some things in our nation, in the physical. But it's the prayers of the saints that are the tipping point in any nation. We've got to remember that. And as we pray in line with God's will and God's purposes for what he wants to do in our nation, God puts people in place to then serve his purposes so that they are outworked in the nation. And uh, we know there's a lot of tussles and a lot of challenges in lots of different ways going on with different groups, different agendas, different philosophies of life and all of that kind of stuff. And that's where we need to stay in the prayer room and continue praying. So just because the results being what it is, it don't, oh great, everything's all right now. No, no, we, we need to step up in prayer now for our nation. Uh, the, the enemy wants to kick back when things go on. And, uh, and we need to continue to press into God and to continue to pray for Boris Johnson, for our government, and we pray for the nation, for God's purposes to be outworked, okay? And we all have our own opinions and all of that sort of stuff, but we have to submit all of that to God's word, God's will, and what he wants to do in our nation. God wants our nation to be a blessing to the EU. He wants it to be a blessing to Europe, let alone other nations. But, but God knows that we need to be separate from certain things in order for us to be who God has called us to be so that we are free to be a blessing to the nations in terms of what he wants to, to do. So I just want to lob that in there this morning because the result is what it is. And uh, now we need to pray that our government 
serves the nation. I don't know if you saw yesterday, Boris Johnson said himself, we are, he said to his own people, we are not the masters, we're the servants. I don't know if anybody's seen that, but he said that to a lot of his own guys. We are not the masters of this nation. We are the servants of the people and we need to serve the people. That's a great heart. Somebody recently, a believer about a month ago, was with him and prophesied some things over Boris Johnson. And, uh, and I, I believe God's working in that, in that guy uh, in different ways. And, and we just need to continue to pray for him, that there is a humility there. He has had a different tone the last few days. He hasn't come out kind of all big headed about the election. He's actually come out saying, I want to thank those that have voted for us and you've put your trust in us and we want to serve you and we want to deliver some stuff in our nation. And we need to continue praying that there's an even greater humility that comes into our government, okay, into all the people in that way. All right. So let's just continue praying for our government, for our leaders, uh, for anybody who's an MP, whether whatever party then we want to pray for them because they're in leadership positions. Amen. 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 Okay, so let's get into the the word uh, this morning. I just want to now some of you uh, might have heard some of this uh, uh, before the essence of it, but I want to just pick up on some things in relation to um, the great rest. Now, just very quickly, there are three ways you can live in your life. One is outside of relationship with God. This one here where we don't know God, we're living separately from him and, and you, you're living your own life, doing your own thing, trying to achieve your own goals and attain your own uh, 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 success and everything else. And that's one way you can live separated from God. The other way you can, or another way you can live is in relationship with God. And, and we know in Ephesians 2, it says that when, when we come into relationship with God, the Bible says that he seats us with him in heavenly places that we're now seated with him here. So how many of you want to live here? This looks slightly more attractive than these two, doesn't it? Or maybe it doesn't. I don't know. I'd rather sit in this chair than this chair, right? So this is the place of, of rest, or let's call it the great rest, okay? And then this one here is, uh, is called self, this one. And the reason why I've put it closer to this one is because it's quite easy if we're not careful to start living in our own strength, even though we have everything that God has given us, it's easy to start living in our own strength sometimes here. I've, I've put this one further away because, because it's impossible for anybody here to reach God in their own effort. It's impossible. Yeah. And, uh, and so we need God to do something and he has done something. And so Jesus came from heaven to earth because the Father, because God knew that in our own strength, we can't get from there to here in our own ability, in our own effort. So God knew to fulfill his rescue plan of salvation, he would have to come down to us, be born as a baby, as we heard today, born in humility to identify with who we are as human beings, the frailties of who we are, because we know as believers, we know that Jesus, even though he was God, he was also fully man. Jesus said himself, I cannot do anything by myself. I can't do anything separate from the Father. I can't speak anything of my own. I can't do anything of my own. I can only do what I see the Father doing and I can only speak the words the Father has given me. So when he came down to earth, what was he saying? Living amongst mankind, he was looking to heaven, looking to the Father saying, Father, unless I see you do it, I can't do it here. 
unless I hear you speak it, I've got nothing to say here. I'm totally dependent on you. So you've sent me down here to bring your kingdom and to bring salvation to mankind. But unless I see you and hear you and know what you want to do and say, I have nothing to bring. I am powerless without you. Wow. That's Jesus, the Son of God, was basically saying, I have nothing without the Father. Pretty awesome. So he came with life. He came with salvation. He came to heal. The word salvation means to heal, to fully make, to make someone fully whole as a person, spirit, soul and body, and to bring him into relationship with God. So God has, has demonstrated his love for us when we were here, when we were still sinners, far off from him. Christ died for us. So we see the heart of God and the love of God for people, for mankind, that he then sent Jesus. What did Jesus do? He bridged the gap between us and the Father. He bridged the gap. The gap's called the cross. Where he hung there and he stretched out, if you like, reaching you know, to mankind, but also reaching into heaven at that moment. But Jesus knew because he'd been with the Father, he knew the plan of salvation. He knew why he had come. And he knew that by coming, he was going to have to stand to intercede between man and God, the Father. And he was going to have to then take on all of the sin and all of the guilt, the shame, the pain, sickness and, and everything else that went with it. He knew that all of that was going to be laid upon him on the cross. But he did it joyfully, willingly, because he knew that the other side of the cross was going to be us, was going to be mankind. He made it, was going to make it possible for every person alive to come into relationship with the Father, to become one with Him. And so willingly He humbled Himself, submitted Himself, knowing for the joy that was set before Him, He endured the cross, scorning its shame because He knew it was a shameful thing. It was the worst way you could die then. It was shameful to be, to be put on a cross, scorning its shame. So I want to go through that willingly, joyfully, because what it's going to do, it's going to open up the way for people to be able to come to know the Father. Now, many of us know this in, in the room. Maybe some of you don't know Jesus. Maybe you don't know that. But this is, this is God. This is the nature of God. God is love. His nature is to give. God cannot help but love because He is love. And so because He's love, He sent His Son. That's what Christmas is all about. You're going to get a pretty similar message tonight. So make sure you bring all your unsaved family and friends tonight, right? Because tonight is a night of salvation. Amen. So let's believe that and bring people. Don't just come for yourself tonight. Don't just come because it's a carol service and all of that. Bring somebody. Bring someone tonight. Okay. So what does Jesus say himself? He says uh, in uh, Matthew 11, he said, Jesus said, come to me. So this is Jesus in the world. He then says, come to me, all you are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. Okay, so how many of you know that when you, before you knew Jesus, you lived your life going after this, that and the other? Whatever that looked like. 
How many of you know that when you did get this, that and the other, you still weren't satisfied? You still felt there was something missing and there must be something else. And then you went looking for something more or something different or whatever, because inside you were never really satisfied. How many of you, since you've known Jesus, there isn't that same chasing after life anymore? What, any, anybody in here apart from me? Anybody, you know, that now you're not seated over here doing your own thing. You're now seated with Christ in heavenly place. Oh, this is nice. I haven't, I haven't actually sat in this chair yet. It's quite nice. Um, so uh, you're now seated. It's not a grandpa's chair, Jane. All right. This is the throne. This is the throne of. of so if you want to know what the throne looks like, this is it. Anyway. Um, we're now seated with him. Let's just read a couple of scriptures, okay? Because I want to get somewhere this morning. Um, so we want to read Romans 6, 6 to 8. Ready? Just going to read some things. For we know that our old sinful self here, why, cannot, why can't we reach God? Because we're born with a sinful nature. We're born separated from God. So therefore, anything sinful cannot be with anything holy. And so this is what, for we know that our old sinful self was what? Was crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power, so that sin might lose its grip on us. And then it says we are no longer slaves to sin. When you're in slavery, you can't get out of it. There is somebody with a greater authority that, can, that is the only one that can release you from slavery. You can't get yourself out of slavery. Somebody else has to unlock the slavery that you're in. For when we died with Christ. So when Jesus went to the cross, the Bible says, for when we died with Christ, because he took our sin, our pain, our sickness upon himself. When we died with Christ, we are set free from the power of sin. So when Jesus died on the cross, what did he do? He unlocked the prison door and he opened the prison door to make it possible for people to choose whether they wanted to come out of the prison or not. So the prison door of every person's life is opened because of what Jesus has done on the cross. So every person living here is in a prison. But the prison door is unlocked and open because Jesus has said the way is open. It's not that these doors are locked. People are in prison, but the door is open. Because when we pray, we're not trying to pray stuff that God has already done. We're praying for people to come out of all this stuff. And as we died with Christ, we know that we will also live with him. So he died for us to overcome the power of sin and death and everything else so that we might have the same life. We might have his life, his life with us. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, what does this say? It says, therefore, if anyone is now in Christ, he is a new person. The old has gone, the new has come. Galatians 2.20, my old self has been crucified with Christ. So it says here, it is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me so that I might live in an earthly body still. Uh, but, uh, so I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. 
So God has brought us out, out of, of our own efforts and strength and life and whether, what do you, whatever you want to call that. And he's brought us into him. That's the nature of his love. God wants the same for every person that is on the planet. So what is the great rest? The great rest is living in a moment by moment relationship with God. The great rest is not your time with Jesus. So what we're talking about here is not when you get up and pray in the morning. This isn't your quiet time with Jesus. This is the life that we are now living. This is Christ in us and us in Christ. So the great rest is this moment by moment walk with him. It's a relationship of faith, believing everything that he has done for us, everything he has separated us from and everything that we are now in him. So it's a relationship of faith. It's uh, a place of faith. This is who I am. So the devil wants to lie to you and try and undermine who you are as a person in Christ. So God says you are chosen. The enemy says, no, you're a mistake. God says, you're a child of mine. And the enemy says, no, you don't, you're not really a child of God. You're still illegitimate. You're still an orphan. You're still separated from God. Don't, don't be, look at your feelings. Look at your actions. Look at what you're thinking still. Look at how you're behaving still. And he tries to separate us from the truth of who God is and what he says about us. So we have a relationship of faith, who we are in Christ and everything that the Father says about us, the inheritance that we have, the authority that we have, the power that we have in Him and everything else that goes with it. So there's the faith, but there's also trust. So we, faith believes who we are and what He's done and who He is in us. Then it's a walk of trust. Because God takes us on a walk of faith in our lives. God will always speak to every one of us to live a life of faith. So every step that you take in God, he'll speak about something that he wants to bring us into more fully that we already have. Sounds like a contradiction. So the day we got born again, the day somebody gives their life to Jesus, God gives him the fullness of who he is. He gives us the full inheritance of the whole of his kingdom in our lives. Everything, his life, his power, his authority, his goodness, uh, everything that we have as a believer, he puts in us at that moment. And then what he does, he takes us on this walk, on this living a next steps life to discover everything on the journey that he gave us right at the beginning. So it's not that God can give you any more than he has already given you. He can't give you any more than he has already given you. You have the fullness of his life. You have the fullness of his spirit. You have everything you need to live a victorious, overcoming life. You're a victor, not a victim. Amen. And the devil just wants to come against all that and try and lie. The devil knows he can't take us back there because we've been separated from it. But what the enemy does want to do is try and get us to live here. Which is in this life of self. Now in the life of self, what begins to happen when we live here? Even though we have the full inheritance of everything we could ever need or want in God. So imagine... In the natural, you have somebody in your life that says to you, 
um, I'll give you, I'll, I'll supply everything you'll ever need in the rest of your life. Everything. I've got money, resources. I've got, I've got everything you're ever going to need for the rest of your life. So anything you need, ask me. It's yours. Whatever I have is yours. You, 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 it, everything, money, homes, building, whatever it might be, everything I've got is yours. You can have it. And just ask me and it's yours. And I'll look after you for the rest of your life. Now, if you knew you had somebody like that, would you have any worries? I mean, what would life be like? If somebody made you that kind of promise and you knew they've got everything, they don't want for anything. They don't need anything. They've got everything. And that person said, you got access to everything. And they, they even change your name, give you the same name. So you're now part of the family. So you've got full access to everything that I have, you know, because that's what the Father says to us. Now, if you had somebody in your life like that, that you, you, you'd never have to worry about anything, whatever that might be. It'd be crazy, wouldn't it, in a situation then, if something comes up to go, well, thanks, you, you said you're going to supply everything, meet every need, you can, you, I haven't got to worry, or think about it, this is, this is amazing, this is awesome. Wouldn't it be crazy in a situation if we said, thanks very much, but, I think I'm going to handle this myself. Because that's what we do at times in our life. If we've been given the full resource of heaven, the Father's house and everything that he is. When challenges come, when stuff comes, when circumstances are, uh, might be difficult, when you might get a diagnosis that doesn't line up with the truth, it, it says something else that's going on in our body. Where, where people are giving us a hard time or... or uh, uh, taking offence for a reason or they're speaking badly about us or they're giving us whatever's going on. What do we do in those moments? If this place is the great rest, what does that mean? The great rest is, is God's total well-being, God's abundant goodness. Yes. Nothing missing, nothing lacking. And if this is a moment by moment relationship with God and he said, my God should supply all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. So he has already supplied. Then this walk of faith is also a walk of trust. Do I believe and therefore trust him in this situation that everything's going to come good? Because this is your position in Christ, but this is also how we live in Christ moment by moment. So when a challenge comes, what do we do? There's two options. One is we either succumb we give in to the circumstances or the report or the situation or whatever. And, and we, we slide over. It's not so easy to slide with this. Um, it, we, we slide over sometimes without realising. And instead of taking it to the Lord and saying, Father, in this moment right now, because it's a moment moment I, I submit to you, what we do is we start thinking about it. We start worrying about it. We start yeah. to take it on board and we start to lose our peace. We start to handle it in our own strength. We try and work out all the pros and cons of this situation, how it's going to work and what could happen and everything else. And before we know where we are, we lose our peace. We get a bit rattled our patience gets a bit shorter and we start getting a bit more annoyed. We start getting angry. Then we can start getting upset. Then we start getting offended. Then we start getting annoyed with everybody else and all of that. And it just started with a moment where everything seemed to be going good. Somebody said something or you heard something. You didn't say, okay, Father, I'm just going to submit this to you right now. It's challenging. I don't know what to do. It's freaking me out a little bit. I can sense a bit of fear trying to grip me or a bit of worry or anxiety. Everything in me wants to have a go at the person back. 
But Father, I just want to submit to you right in this moment before I let this start going down the road, or before I let something kick off and react to me, Father, I just submit right now, right in this moment. And I just bring this under your Lordship. I want to stay in this place of rest. Because in, in the great rest, it's all God activity. When we move to self, it's all our activity. This place is busy, but it's God. This place is busy, it's all of us. And in those moments, it's, it's because it's a moment by moment relationship. This is why this is not just about your time with Jesus in the morning. Because what we often do, if we think that like that, we, we spend our time with the Lord. And then what we do is we get up out of that place and then we try and we, we then try and live in our own effort. And that's why we get annoyed, frustrated, upset, take offence and everything else in life. Because sometimes what we do is we get up out of that. Now I've got to live out of that. And I've got to try and do that now. We don't live out of this. We live in this all the time. I can't pick this chair up, I don't think. But imagine me walking up and down the stage with glued to the chair because we live in the, this place of rest all the time. See, this place is a life-giving place. Why? Because you're getting a flow of life constantly. Because why? You're submitting your will to his. You're submitting this thought to his. You're submitting this emotion to the, Spirit, to the Holy Spirit. You're submitting the circumstance to him. You're saying, Father, I want to go step by step. I don't know if you can remember when we taught on this a few years ago. Um, one of the things God said to me was, Clive, are you happy not knowing what you think you need to know? Are you happy? Because I was going through some stuff where I was getting annoyed, I was getting rattled, I was, I was just um, getting um, stressed about some things. And God started to talk to me about all this stuff. And, um, and basically the bottom line, the Lord was saying to me, Clive, do you trust me? Do you trust me? Do you trust me? And obviously I said, well, obviously not, Lord, because otherwise it wouldn't be like this. You know? and, and, so, and then the question came, um, are you happy not knowing what you think you need to know right now. Are you happy? And I said, the Lord, no, I'm not happy. And so I said, would you take me on this journey and show me what does it mean to live in the great rest? What does it, what does it mean to live in a place where I'm not trying to do anything in my own strength? And this whole thing about a moment by moment relationship is what God said. He said, do you trust me that when, when you need to know something, I'll let you know? It's like, right, okay. I said, stop asking me questions. <laughs> All right. Because sometimes we, we batter God with our questions and, and the Lord wants to give us a completely different answer or say something completely different than the questions we're asking. But, but because we're asking this question, what we end up doing when we do that is we, get, we, we come over here and we're saying, God, I'm not going according to your plan. I want you to come according to my plan. And when we sit here, we don't hear God. The only place you're going to hear the voice of God is there. When we're here, we're too full of what's going on in us to hear what God is saying to us. So what does God do when we are here? When we move from there to here in a particular area in our life about something, what does he do? God is still on his throne. He doesn't get angry. He doesn't get annoyed. He doesn't start getting negative. He doesn't start telling some of the angels he's, a, he's an idiot down there, <laughs> you know, or anything like that. He sits there. And he says, well, I, I've not moved anywhere. You're the one that's moved. I'm still the same yesterday, today and forever. I'm not going to budge anywhere, but I'm ready for when you want to come back. And God will sit and wait because God will never violate your will. And so he waits and he's like, OK, uh, 
And what does he say to us? He won't give you the answer to your question. He won't give you the answer to your need. He won't give you what you need in that situation. Because even if God speaks, we'll try and do it in our own strength anyway, because that's where we are at that moment. So what does he do? I said, I, I, I'm here. So what do we do? The only thing you're going to hear God say to you is, here is surrender. Give it to me. Give it to me. That's all you're going to hear. And, and so what do we do in this moment? What, because it's a moment by moment, we need to stop and we need to hang on a minute. What have I been doing? When I'm there, I've got the full access of everything that the Father's given me. Everything, his life, his power, his word, the Holy Spirit, his authority, everything I am ever going to need is there. But I've stepped out of that in this moment, in this part of my life, and I'm trying to do it in my own strength. So what do we do? We say, Father, I, I'm turning back to you and ask you to forgive me for taking things on my, in my own effort, my own strength, trying to work it out myself. I've got worried, I've got afraid, I've got annoyed. I've even had a go at you at times. Father, what am I doing? You're the creator of heaven and earth and I think I can do a better job than you. You were even here before me and I think now as, as a little squirt on the earth here that I can do a better job. So what are we doing? We're basically realising I can't do it in my own strength. And, and you might be gifted. You might have some great ideas. You might be brilliant at certain things. But all of that, if it's done in self-righteousness, is rubbish to the Lord because it won't bear any fruit. The only fruit we bear is when we're in Him. So, so what do we do? When we do that and we surrender afresh, we come back to Him and we come back into this place. So I want to read John 15 to us, okay, in the next couple of minutes. And then we're going to all step into the great rest. Is that okay? Or we're all, you know, if you're a believer, you're in it anyway, but we just want to make sure everything is in line and sorted with, um, with God. Okay, so I'm just going to read this. Now, we're going to read John 15. And where any, I don't know if you've got a Bible or, or what translation you've got, but I'm reading from the, the NIV, New, Live, New, whatever it's called, New International Version. That's not so new, it's been around a long time now. But um, uh, where it says remain, I'm going to use the word rest because it means the same thing. Yeah. And, and this will help us just to see some things. So this is Jesus uh, speaking uh, here. He says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. So God has called us and appointed us to be fruitful, to bear fruit uh, in our lives with him and in how we, uh, what he wants to do through us. Then he says here, you are already clean, verse 3, you're already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. So he prunes us, he works in us. I always think of it like this. I mean, I know you can look at a um, uh, plant or something, but I always think of it like this. You know when you've got a stonemason and they're gonna, they've got a block of stone and they're going to make something, say a lion's head with a mane and everything else. They're gonna, what does that person do? They chip away everything that does not look like a lion and its mane. They're not trying to make the stone look like, somehow I'm going to make this block look like that. They have in their mind, right, I'm just going to chip all the bits away that don't look like a lion. And so what does God do in our lives? He brings us from there to here and the whole purpose of that is so that we are like Jesus. So he's given us the full inheritance. He's forgiven us of everything from the past. He's dead and buried, crucified, he's gone. 
And, and the Bible then says in Romans 12 that we are transformed by the renewing of our minds. What does that mean? It means that in our walk with God, He's going to renew our minds, our thinking, our understanding and help us to believe and live in the fullness of everything He gave us on day one when we gave our lives to Him. And so what it means here is in that process, there'll be some pruning. In that process, there'll be some chipping away in our lives of everything that does not look like Jesus in the way we think and what's going on in here and the way that we live. Okay, so that's how I think of this, this kind of chapter. Then it says here, rest in me. So rest in me and I will rest in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in me. So if we try and live in some way over here, we're not going to be fruitful. Jesus says that himself. Because in that area in our lives, we're not remaining, abiding or resting in him. We're, trying, we're resting in ourselves. It's not rest though when you do sit here, is it? When you live here. So what does it say here? It then says, uh, you can't bear fruit there. We only bear fruit here. Neither can you bear fruit unless you rest in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If a man rests in me and I rest in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Or even over there, you can't do nothing. Yeah, you can do nothing. If anyone does not rest in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. Now, if you stay there, and you never surrender your life to the Lord, it doesn't have a good ending. Which we've just read. But as a believer, what, is that, what do those verses mean as a believer? If we, if we try and live our lives in our own effort, what is Jesus saying? He said, anything that we produce is like branches being thrown out and burned. They don't produce anything. That's what he's basically saying. It's worthless. Whatever we try and do in our own strength and effort. Then verse seven, if you remain, if you rest in me and my words rest in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given. So this is a place where your prayer gets answered. Wow. So prayer is not about many words. Prayer is about praying what God's heart is, what his will is. And when we pray in line with him, then we're going to have what we ask for. Because this life is in Christ. And if we're praying what he is praying, so when we pray, we're joining in with what Jesus is praying around the throne. We know we're going to get answers. Then it says, uh, verse 8, This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Then verse 9, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now rest in my love. Rest, stay, rest in my love. If you obey my commands, you will rest in my love. So if we, if we obey God's command, what does it mean to obey God's commands? It means to live in his word. Because we've just heard it before. If, um, if someone rests in my word and my word rests in them, you can ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. So he's also going on saying, if you want to remain in my love, if you want to remain in that place of rest and in that love, then obey my commands. What does that mean? Just live according to the word. If we live according to the word, we live in obedience then because we live in his word. It's only when we don't live according to his word. So what does that mean? It means in a situation, I'm not going to trust you. I'm going to do my own thing. So then I'm not living in obedience to his word. 
I'm living in obedience to my own thinking, my own understanding. So what does it mean to live obedient? It means, God, I'm going to surrender my thoughts to yours in this moment. What, what, I, what I should do and shouldn't do to you at this moment. That's what it means. It's not slavishly obeying the word. And if we don't, God doesn't love us anymore. It's the other way around. It's we remain in this relationship of love and, and this reciprocal thing going on when we walk in his word and walk in his ways. And that's where we're fruitful. That's where stuff happens. Now remaining, uh, uh, then verse 10, if you obey my commands and you rest in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and rest in His love. So what Jesus is showing us here, as we heard earlier, He says, I can't do anything or see anything. If I don't see Him doing it or hear, I don't hear Him, I can't, I've got nothing. So Jesus is showing us it is possible to live in rest because He was fully human like we are, dependent on the Father like we are, and what was he saying here? He says, hey guys, in the same way that I um, obeyed my father's commands and remained in his love, you can do the same. I've told you this, verse 11, so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. When you're at peace, there's joy, isn't there? When you're over here, what's the first thing, when you lose your peace, what's the first thing that goes? Joy. You know, when, you, when you're living here, people are like, what is up with him? He's like sour grapes at the moment. What is that? He's got a cloud over his head or her head. Man, they're so negative. What's going on with him? It's like, oh, moody, moody, you know. Do you know what I mean? Because over here, we get moody. How many of you know that God is not moody? He's the same yesterday, today and forever. So what do we do? We submit our emotions to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is when we submit to the Holy Spirit, you can have stable emotions because you're, you're submitting your, your emotions to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I want you to be Lord of my emotions. So I'm not here, there and everywhere when this is that is going on, you know. Um, anyway, let's just finish. Verse 12, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. So that's agape. Where's agape? That is here. Agape is in the great rest. And that's the kind of love Jesus is speaking about. Agape one another, love one another, lay your lives down for one another in the same way as I've laid my life down for you. Greater love has no one than this than he lay down his life for his friends. You're my friends if you do what I command. So this is where friendship is with God, right here in the great rest. Then it says, uh, verse 15, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends for everything I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. So what does Jesus do? He makes everything known. What does it mean to be in Christ? But there's also things, when you remain in Him and we rest in Him here, there's things that God begins to speak, that are, that are things going on in His heart, that He begins to talk to you about, confide and let you know about. Because He's like, they trust me. They're growing. There's some things I can now entrust them with they're walking. There's some little insights I want to give them. Things I want them to pray into. I want to tell them, show them some things. I want to give them a bit more of an insight into what is in my heart and what is going on. Why? Because there's an intimacy. There's a trust there. There's a growing maturity there, you know. And people can start to handle some things now and begin to pray into these things or carry these things in a, in a different, different way. Um, then uh, it says here... Um, Verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. I've appointed, this is where I've appointed you to live, this place of faith, this place of trust, this moment by moment 
relationship with the Father. And then he says, Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command. Love each other. So uh, we're just going to respond this morning. Is that okay? We're not going to stand. We're just going to sit where we are for a minute. And um, actually, no, we're not first. Oh, everybody, let's stand for a moment. Okay. Let's all stand to our feet. And we're just going to throw off everything for a moment that might hinder us, sin that might entangle us. Then we're going to sit. Now, what we're talking about this morning is not passive. Okay, so this isn't a passive thing where it's like, right, I, I don't have to bother anymore. It's all you, Jesus. It is all Jesus. Right? But it's not a place where you switch off. You know, where you go, well, I don't have to. It's, this is a very active place, but it's a place of faith and, and God's activity. And you're actually finding there's going to be more, you're involved in more stuff living here because of how God's leading you than, than here. Because this is all about me. This is all about everybody else. This is like, God, serve me. This is, God, I want to serve you. This one here is everybody else serve me. This one here is how can I serve others? How can I bless others? Because this is selfless. This is self-full in that sense. Do you understand? So let's just close our eyes for a moment. And anything, absolutely anything, how great or small, that is on your nerves at the moment, that winds you up, that you are bugged about, that is annoying you, that is frustrating you, you're upset about, you've lost peace over, circumstance, people, situation, something going on in you, if you're not in a place of rest and peace, where you just know on the inside, nothing's going to rattle you. Then let's do what we've just said this morning. Let's hand all of those things over to the Lord this morning. And just don't just say, God, I give you it all right now. It's easy to say that. But actually say, God, I give you this frustration that is going on in me now. And when you give it to him, say, Father, forgive me for that, that I've trusted in myself and not in you. Forgive me, Father, where I've got annoyed, I've got upset. Forgive me for that wrong reaction, the words I've spoken, the attitude I've had, the thoughts that have been going on in my mind about that person. Father, I ask you to forgive me because I've rumbled them in my mind where they're wrong and I'm right or they've offended me and I, I've, I've got a Father, I just submit all of that. I ask you to forgive me. That diagnosis that I heard the other day when I went to the doctors, Father, I just give you that diagnosis. I give you... The, the, the stuff that, is caught, that, that has been going on in me, some fear, anxiety, worry, anything like that. Father, I just give all of that to you right now. Whatever it might be, I just throw off everything that wants to hinder and entangle me. Father, where I've not trusted you, I ask you to forgive me. I just let it go. Now what I want us to do, I want you to, in a moment, I want you to sit down, right? But what I want you to do when you sit down, imagine yourself sitting in this chair up here, that you're sitting on the throne with him. You're seated with him in heavenly places. And as you sit down, just imagine yourself now sitting down in the rest of God, okay? If you take a seat. And just sit back. 
Now, just wherever you are, Father, I just surrender to you afresh right now. I thank you for all that you've done for me. You've given me the full inheritance of heaven on earth. The fullness of your kingdom you've given me. Now just invite him, Holy Spirit, would you take me on a journey, on an adventure, and teach me how to live in the great rest, how to stay in this place of a moment-by-moment relationship. It means at any given moment during the day, you can stop. Stuff comes up, things happen. You can take a moment, just stop. Don't let it rattle you. Stop in that moment. Say, Father, I just give you this right now. I give you that report. I give you the things somebody just said to me. I give you that diagnosis, whatever it is. I give you the pressure at work. I just submit it to you right now. I thank you. I want to stay in that place of rest. Because when you're in that place of rest, it doesn't mean challenges don't come. But how you walk through them is completely different than when you're trying to do it in your own strength. Some of you have needed to let go of some things because God wants to speak to you in your life, but he hasn't been able to get through because you've been, you've been trying to do some stuff in your own strength. Some of you need to receive some healing, but that anxiety and fear has got in the way of, of, of you receiving what God is releasing to you. And as you come back into this place of rest and trust, it's, it, there's a release. There's a release of God in your life. There's some, some of you need some wisdom. Some of you need to, to, to some direction. Others need some healing. Some of you need a fresh release of his love because you've got some challenging situations where, where you need to love in, with agape and not with your, trying to love in your own way. So Jesus, we thank you right now. Just invite him, Father, I want to I go on this journey of faith and trust. Teach me how to trust you in a new way so that the faith that I have is proved genuine. The testimony that I have then becomes a testimony to somebody else of your goodness. So Holy Spirit, we thank you right now. I just want to, anybody is in the room that doesn't know Jesus. And as I've been talking this morning, you've, you, I've described that chair that's further away than this one over there to your left on the stage. And you're like, well, that's, that's my life there. Well, God, God never wants anybody to stay in that life. He's made it possible for every person to know him, to come into relationship with him. God is not far off. He's near. The Bible says the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So God is, as, God is within your reach right now. As far as you could reach, he's closer than that. He's right there. And you might want to say, God, I want to surrender everything to you, give everything to you today. Because that's what it means to become a Christian, to follow Jesus, to know him and have a relationship with God. It means you surrender absolutely everything, the good, the bad, the ugly, everything. And you surrender it. The amazing thing is, as you surrender everything to him, he gives everything of himself to you. I mean, that's a far better deal. Than we, anything we could ever give him. 
And if you, you are wanting to surrender your life, you can simply just say to make that first step towards him this morning. God, I want to surrender my life to you. I want to surrender everything. I don't fully know what that means. But I know in me, my heart is going and it's just he's like, I've got to surrender to this, to, to you, God. Father, I just pray right now, anybody in the room that doesn't know you, that wants to take that first step, I thank you that you enable them, grace them to respond to you right now. And if there is anybody here that, and, and you know that's the step I need to take for my life, that is my next step in my life, then I would love to talk with you afterwards and pray with you. There'll be one or two others here as well uh, to chat and pray with people who want to respond to God today, take a first step towards Him. We would love to pray with you and introduce you to Jesus this morning because your life's going to come alive in a new way if you do. Your life will go from black and white to colour. You'll suddenly realise, wow, this is what life's really all about. You might think you know what it's all about, but actually when you become a Christian, you, life comes alive in a totally different way. Father, we just speak your goodness over our lives, over our marriages, over our families, over our children, over our friendships and relationships, over our homes, over our workplace. We speak your goodness, your abundance. And Father, I thank you as you teach us how to live in the great rest, in that spacious place with you and all that that means. We thank you, Father, your life is going to flow in us and through us and it's going to overflow in an even greater way than we've seen and known before. We praise your mighty, awesome name. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. And everybody said, Amen. 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 You know, one of the things I do every day, and I do this when I do get up in the morning, I do sit down as if I'm going to, just to remind myself, Clive, live in the great rest today. And I do just sit down and, and just take a moment where it's like, Father, I thank you that I'm in you. I'm seated in you today. I'm not just seated in you in my prayer time and then I get up out of it in my own strength. I'm, I'm going to sit in you all day as we walk together through the day so that I don't react to stuff, but I respond. And I find myself reacting to stuff like we all do. But what do you do in that moment? Oh, Father, I ask you to forgive me that there's still some chipping away that needs to be done, if you know what I mean, in, in that, that way. So continue to soften my heart towards the situation, the person, or whatever it might be. Why? Because it's a moment by moment. Don't let it stack up to, to the point where you're shown cheesed off with everything you know after a week or two and you've lost all your peace and everything else you just rattled all the time don't live man none of us want to live like that but this just keep short accounts let's keep it really and just stay in this place of rest because this is the life-giving place to you then it's a life-giving place through you to others amen amen be really blessed thank you for listening to this kingdom faith podcast we trust it's been an encouragement to you for more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.